All right, thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. So let's get into our conversation for this hour then. I'm going to invite onto the show Professor Alri Oestazen, who is an industrial psychologist. Professor Oestazen, good morning to you. Good morning. Also joining the conversation, Samantha Jane Gravitt, Africa Director at Robert Walters. Uh, Samantha Jane, good morning to you. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, thank you both for Good, making thanks. time for this conversation already. Um, there's been a lot of responses from our listeners because uh, I think this is an issue that uh, touches everybody, everybody who's working, everybody that is trying to find a work, uh, trying to find a job rather, ultimately. We all have a point where we, 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 we have to get paid and we, ra- we rely on those salaries that we get on a month-to-month basis. And there are big questions around then what we are seeing in terms of salaries, a feeling by and large that um, salaries have been going down. Uh, Samantha, do you perhaps have a view on that? What are the, what are the, what are the trends showing you as, as somebody who also is able to look at recruitment and, and salary trends? Absolutely, Kathy. And I think we'll focus on the word trends. Um, you know, from my aspect, uh, within Robert Walters, we predominantly recruit senior professionals across the white collar spectrum. And, you know, despite the whether you are in said sector A or B, there has been recently a demand for what we call diverse skills. So top tier professionals who can particularly perform a dual role is important at this current point. You know, if we looked at various factors, including skill demand, technology advances and um, louder demands for diversity. Um, have ultimately shaped the dynamics of the market, you know, then equally throw in talent shortages, which is just something that rumbles on in in a lot of um, sectors across the uh, geographies of South Africa. The compensation and the recognition is ultimately on the packages, you know, in cases where salaries can't be competitive, competitive in some instances or industries specifically, we are seeing um, companies offer enhanced benefits, um, typically, you know, work from anywhere or unlimited leave, extended maternity and paternity leave. So yes, whilst there is a talent shortage and there is a demand for certain um, aspects and trends that we're seeing now, a hybrid working model, despite in the U-turn, and I appreciate some industries can't have a hybrid model. You know, if you think of the mining sector or the oil and gas sector, they don't have the the luxury as an office-based employee has to uh, benefit from a three-day three in and a two-day uh, out perspective. So it, benchmarking is uh, very important when you look at how we structure the salary bandings for certain individuals. I think most companies are also taking advantage of the fact that, you know, South Africa has an exaggerated unemployment rate of 42%, you know, and um, they think that people are willing to take lower packaging, which is unfair. So from a recruitment perspective, it's of utmost importance that bandings get done regularly and not only once or twice um, every 24 to 36 months. So so if I understand you correctly then, Samantha Jane, you are seeing a trend 
where salaries are lower perhaps than what they should be. But as you're saying, often how it's couched is that even if they, you know, the salary is perhaps not lower, what people who are taking on some of these roles are expected to do is almost double the job for half the pay. Yes, and I think that's a spin-off from, you know, COVID pandemic. We went through a a large restructuring phase. Invariably, uh, individuals started taking up more responsibility. Teams have been downsized. Um, For that, then the benefit is that you get paid higher or we're looking at um, more junior skills that can fulfill that role. A lot of companies are potentially navigating away from a CA qualified finance individual and rather considering a BCom or a CMA uh, graduate who can ultimately fulfill the duty and therefore they come at a cheaper price. So from a cost center perspective, it um, is driving certain prices down, but there is a standard that needs to be upheld. Um, and it's up to recruitment companies to advise um, potential line managers or HR leads who are running recruitment uh, processes in terms of what is the accurate bandy, what are the market trends. And annually, um, what we've been doing for the last 28 years globally and more 20 years in in South Africa is the annual salary survey, where we use the data that we collaborate across, not only data space, but market intelligence and uh, and so business intelligence, but also speaking to candidates within a specific vertical, and then understanding what the market trends are doing and advising our clients as to what those trends are and what the macro and micro influences are um, that's driving this salary uh, changes. And, you know, for a large part, what I've witnessed ultimately is this actually an up um, in, 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 in the bandings, you know, from where we were 20 to 2021 and 2022 and where we are today. Some candidates are in such demand that it's actually a candidate-led market. So they can command any salary they want. Now we throw in diversity, we throw in inclusion, we throw in the demand for empowering women in the workplace. There are only a limited amount of skills within that sector or that bracket. So um, for a large part, I've actually seen an increase in salaries. And to some extent, you know, if we, where clients are more lenient on what the negotiables and non-negotiables are of a specific job spec, ultimately that then determines the price. But if they're looking for somebody who is top qualified, let's use finance as an example, a CA with four to five years experience, they're managing a micro team, it's not a FTSE 100 or a listed entity on the JSE, uh, it's different. So there's not just one one boot for the whole paragraph, yeah, if I yeah. could stay, use that word. Yeah? All right. We're going to continue this conversation in a moment. We've heard from Samantha Jane Gravitt in a moment. We'll hear from Professor Alri Oestazen. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. Professor uh, Oesthuizen, perhaps just an opportunity for you uh, to tell us what it is that you have, have seen when it comes to this issue around salaries and perhaps helping us understand, you know, the psychology that, that goes into all of this from, from companies' perspectives. Mm, thank you, Cathy. Yes, um, I think 
I've, I've seen it basically on two two in two areas. Um, I've got a dual role. So in my role at the university, we see young graduates that's so excited and they've got their degree and everyone promised them, if you have a degree, you're going to have a wonderful life. You will be able to look after your family. And they start off in their first career and they're so disillusioned with the salary versus what they the expenses they need to set out just to set up themselves, not even helping the extended family as is expected. And then in my private practice, we also see nowadays that em employees are really battling emotionally. Um, you know, as an industrial psychologist, part of the, the nice thing of our work is that we help people optimize their work experience and just motivate people. So it's a very positive environment. But since COVID, we've seen so many people in trouble. Um, during COVID, people just had to survive. Everyone wanted to keep their jobs, keep their businesses open. And people were prepared to do anything to keep at least their jobs, even if they had to not earn money at that moment. But after the pandemic um, and things started to turn more to normal, people are just continuing. And, in, and companies are scared to employ more people, take on more risk, to pay higher salaries or to take on more staff because of what they've seen that in a very short time, the world can change. And we can't predict that, you know, managers also only have so much emotional resilience and um, they don't always know how to assist their employees emotionally, but they also need to make sure that the, the, the business is sustainable. Um, and therefore, sometimes they prefer to rather stay on the lowest salaries that they offered during COVID, or they just don't take in new, new people, as Samantha mentioned. Um, sometimes people have more than one role and they take on double work, but for the same salary. And on one hand, people are just thankful to have a job and they almost feel guilty complaining, but you work so hard, you work long hours, you don't see your family, and then you still feel that you can't provide properly for them because of everything that went up. You know, anything we buy nowadays are so much more expensive. If we just think of the interest rate, anyone that has debt um, really feels the, 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 the knock-on effect on everything they have to pay. So you have this feeling that nobody cares. You, you've done everything for the organization. You work very hard, but you do not earn the, the fair salary. So it's not always that people want to earn a high salary. People just want to be remunerated fairly, you know, for what you put in, you, you need to get out. And I think that is what a lot of people um, frustrated with at the moment mm. is that they don't feel they are treated fairly. Uh, Professor Bota, what both you and Samantha have touched on around this aspect of dual roles, right, and people taking on more responsibility. It, it reminds me of a term that, um, you know, I, I came across just in some of the preparation for this conversation. Um, there's one that's called quiet quitting, and then there's another that's called quiet promotion. Is quiet promotion the same thing as this this idea of having more roles but not getting adequate compensation? Uh, Professor Oesthuizen? Yeah, of course. Uh, the trend that we see with the um, quiet quitting um, typically is because in South Africa, especially with the high unemployment rate, we do not have 
um, the luxury to just, we heard the rest of the world talking about the great resignation where people during COVID really reevaluated the values and what they, you know, experienced at work and decided, you know what, I can do without this job. I want to be with my family or do something more meaningful with my life. But we don't have that luxury. So people are now almost protecting themselves and saying, I will do what I can um, to just survive and, and I won't get in trouble, but I'm not doing extra. I'm not going the extra mile. Um, with quiet promotion, it's more about just increasing people's work. So they will say, you know what, you're so valuable employee. We really value you. We will not retrench you. Um, here is extra workload. It, it will improve. It helps you develop. It, it helps you to grow in your role but they do not offer the, the, the financial reward with that. And it's almost like people feel guilty to complain about it because now my, my work, uh, my boss thinks I, I can do this and they trust me and they give me this, this extra responsibility. I might even get a better title and I can tell everyone I'm this important person, but my salary still stays the same. Um, but the problem there is you, you don't want to complain about it because it's, it is a reward in, in a sense but it's also not fair. It sounds quite manipulative, um, Alri, when I listen to you say it, because it's something that you see sort of play out in the workplace. But um, the opportunity of, of hearing you explain the psychology that goes into it, it sounds to me that workers are being manipulated here. I think sometimes it's not necessarily deliberately. Mm. Um, I think you know, managers also look at what can we do to, to be sustainable and make sure we reward people. And they maybe listen to, to podcasts or psychologists saying, but help people with something else, reward them differently, help them grow, give them different opportunities, give them a choice to maybe work from home, as Samantha, Samantha also mentioned. And they might think, you know, by giving people this extra responsibility, you do help them grow. But if you do not have that conversation of um, this is the reason why I'm doing it, I cannot offer you more, more work, uh, more salary, but I would like you to improve yourself, develop yourself that with, you know, in future, we might be able to do that. To just have the conversation or give people the, the choice. Do you want to take on this opportunity? Or if you don't want to, it's also okay. We just want to try and see if we can make it better for you. So I think it's not always intentional. Mm. Obviously, there are people that will take advantage of the situation and um, know people are desperate for work. But I think sometimes it's actually trying to do good, but then they might end up doing more harm. I think the big question, of course, is what is it that we as employees can and, and should do in an environment of, of this nature? And I'll get Samantha uh, Jane to give us some of her ideas around that. It's 10.30, time for your latest news headlines. On the other side of this, I'll also take some of your call calls. I see already uh, some of you lining up to come in on this conversation. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
You're listening to The Talking Point. We continue the conversation this morning looking at the problem of stagnant salaries and how that is affecting employees. Uh, joining us for this conversation, Samantha Jane Gravitt is with Robert Walters, is an Africa director there, and Professor Alri Oersthazen is an industrial psychologist. Uh, Samantha Jane I think it's important for us to reflect on what um, Professor Westhazen said about just the state of employees right now, that um, the morale is very low, people are, are battling emotionally, and I think a lot of that also has to do with what one is able or most importantly not able to do uh, when it comes to their own livelihood. What is the power that employees have then in their hands, given the context under which we're working, including the broader economic context the country finds itself in. I think the most important advice I can give listeners on today's call is, number one is we need to have regular catch-ups with our employees. We've got to understand, do they feel their value? You know, are they happy with their current work environment and conditions? Um, talk about comp and being in appraisals, you know, talk about job satisfaction before we just assume as a business and then start piling onto these employees, which then ties into what Prof said with regards to mental um, well-being and, you know, do I am I valued in this job, you know? Yes, I need it because I've got bills to pay, but what satisfaction does it? You know, when I go home to my family, can I afford to feed them? Can I afford to be happy? Um, in day to day, you know, waking up and going to the office. Am I having these discussions with line managers? You know, is there certain flex around mm. what these businesses can do? Would would you encourage that people initiate those conversations? Again, being mindful of the fact that there is this cloud of fear and people basically wanting to hang on to the jobs they have and, and not wanting uh, to be seen as, as the troublemakers uh, in, in particular environments. And I know that's really a big thing uh, We often that, that, that leads people to stay quiet because when you speak up, then, then, then you're sort of, you know, you're, you're highlighted as, as the one to watch who, who likes to disturb the waters. Yes, no, absolutely. I think asking for a review in salary is probably the most challenging conversation anybody can have. But equally, it's just as daunting to resign. Right? So if companies realize the cost of replacing an employee who's been loyal and who's added value to a business versus a marginal increase to retain that employee, then businesses need to take this into huge consideration. And I, you know, there's a it's not what you say, but it's how you say and how you approach it. And I, maybe more companies need to do um, employee surveys where they ask anonymous questions. Is there something that the business can do better? Is there something that we can incorporate? Is there um, an element that we can add that will you know, make you feel more valued and appreciated in your role? Understandably, you know, the market conditions we can't control. We can't control the CPI of the current uh, uh, state of affairs. We can't control the cost of living. But what we can control is how we feel day in and day out. And yes, it is daunting. Kathy, it's, 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 it's a very challenging conversation. But then 
when candidates want to resign, all of a sudden companies are able to counter offer and, and throw money at the situation. So before it gets to that point, I encourage employees to sit down with their line managers in their appraisals, if and when they do them, and just say to them and say, very humble and professionally, is there anything you can do to enhance my current situation? These are my concerns. Um, I understand budget constraints. Not everybody can, you know, just increase salaries left, right, and centre. And we've got to conserve our costs because we don't know what's coming. Just like Prof said, it can hit us overnight. Um, so a lot of businesses are in, con in, in conservation mode at the moment. Um, but equally, they don't want to lose these employees because if we lose our employees, who's going to do the job? Mm, mm. And, and then we have to replace that employee. And then guess what? The next employee that steps in is going to command a higher salary because they've got a bit more experience or they can do multiple uh, jobs at the same time. So it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation, in my opinion. <laughs> One of the things that, that that I've seen, at least some of those who give advice to employees, is is around self-branding. And I'm quite curious about this because um, one of the strategies uh, that that has been given is that people must take the opportunity to promote their, their personal brands online. And, you know, basically by giving their career highlights and uh, profiling their careers, um, profiling more about themselves and, and their careers and saying that recruiters and employers are increasingly using uh, online career platforms to seek out talent. Do you do that, Samantha Jane? Um, when you're the looking, <laughs> you've got to self-represent <laughs> yourself. You've got to showcase and demonstrate your successes and your accolades. And that's what's going to sep sep separate you from the crowd and make you stand out. And people want to hear about, you know, what was the situation? What task? What was the result? What action points did you take? How did you get to where you are? Um, opposed to just a general flat profile. So absolutely make sure your LinkedIn profile is up to date. Speak to your successes, boast about your, you know, team events uh, and, and make people know who you are. Brand awareness is so important. And we often forget about it as individuals because companies do it for us. But uh, you are the creator of your own journey. So yeah, Samantha Jane, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about where's the balance, right? Because sometimes it can it can come across as being extra, you know, for lack of a better phrase that um, <laughs> imagine what some of your colleagues will say, seeing you posting, talking about how you're so amazing at this and oh, you did that. Um, how do you do it in a way that's more constructive rather than actually draw questions to yourself, make people think, oh, okay, well, what is this one up to? Again, I think it's how you do it and not what you do, if I can use that phrase. Um, yes, we all have different personalities and Prof will concur with this. You know, if you've got the loud, boisterous individual who loves the limelight, they're certainly going to be that over-the-top individual on LinkedIn. And then you've got individuals who are potentially a little quieter and a little bit more reserved. And those are the um, talent pools that we want to encourage to be a bit more vocal about themselves. And, you know, the world is big enough for all sorts of personalities and we've got to embrace that. Um, Professor Oerstazen, any particular views you have on this? Yes, Cathy, I'm listening to this and I'm actually 
having a giggle. Um, this is such an important point. Um, at Inside Consulting, we actually have a workshop to help people with the, the difference between personal and professional branding. You know, to make sure you get the right message out there and that you don't have almost a split personality when people look at your social media and your personal capacity um, versus looking at you in your professional capacity. But I also would like to go back to the previous point around, you know, almost the discussion around salaries where people really battle to have those um, difficult discussions. And from an employer point of view, I think a lot of times they try to keep face, you know, as a, as a, a manager or owner, you want to stay in control and look as if you've got this, you know, people should not worry. But sometimes just sit, sit with your employees and have the honest conversation on this is my worries, this is how it looks, um, this is my plans, do you agree, is there other plans you might have? Because sometimes even with cost saving, you know, the person on the floor knows better what is really essential and where we can cut cost and maybe save a bit of extra money for a bonus or, or some financial um, reward for the employees. And then from an employee's side, you know, some companies, it's safe to have these conversations. Others, it's really not possible. And if you are working in, a, in an organization where it's not safe to talk to your, your manager about your, your um, concerns about your salary, maybe consider about looking at what plans can you make in your own private time? Is there an opportunity to make a little bit of extra money um, if you can have maybe half a day off every second week or anything practical and then go and have the conversation with your manager asking, you know, this is my plan. I understand the company is really doing as much as possible, but I can help myself by doing the following if I'm allowed to do that. So almost come with your practical plan um, instead of just asking for more money. All right. So, so and and also take the lead in those conversations. Is is here what I'm is is what I'm hearing you say that um, you know people must be actively involved in 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 making sure that they're shaping what their work environments look like for themselves as individuals, not necessarily for 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 the collective. I, I want to take some of the voice notes and calls that we're getting on this issue now. I want to kick off with with Val, um, who is the one. One that also sent a voice note about this issue because I think it will be important to respond directly uh, to what Val had to say. Hi, Kathy. This is Val from Cape Town. I just wanted to talk about an issue um, regarding employment. You know, we talk about so many people are employed and it sounds like it's such a wonderful thing. But if one really looks at how much people are being paid, it is ridiculous. I was looking at a recruitment agency's page over the weekend and they're advertising for a financial advisor, for a manager, for between 11,000 and 16,000 rands. That's a manager. And so I really just wonder what role recruitment agencies can play in speaking to employers and saying we they're not going to advertise such kinds of jobs. It is absolute daylight slavery and daylight robbery. Samantha Jane? Yes, I, I, I'm happy to jump in here. So I think the first thing one needs to take into consideration is the context. So if you look at industries quantitatively and quantitatively, one industry's banding will be far lesser than another industry's banding. 
So that's the first principle. You also need to understand what is the number of years of experience. Um, and you also need to look at the qualification for that said individual. Although the um, financial advisor could have a management title, what is the size of the balance sheet that this incumbent will ultimately manage? Is it a smaller enterprise? Is it potentially a startup? Because it's certainly not a multinational or a listed entity. And then equally, it might have a manager title, but the job profile basically means that they have to look after a smaller group of, call it just managing the debtors and the credits of a finance function, and then report into a financial manager. Um, just to provide some context and clarity. So when job hunting, please make sure that you look at the job description, you try and identify the company that's hiring for that role. Is it a smaller enterprise? Is it medium? Is it a large organization? What are the numbers of years of experience? Um, you know, what are the qualifications? Earlier on, we touched on the difference between the pay scales for a qualified CA and somebody potentially with a BCom finance degree. Annually, just to add on to that, and please, I'd like to um, coach this in um, a speaker to just go onto Robert Walters' website because annually we do the uh, global salary survey and then we also do the half year market update. And within that, we advise not only our candidates, our clients, but also our internal team members about what salaries are doing and what the trends are. Um, and then ultimately, uh, guiding them on accurate banding relevant to that specific industry because you can't compare again a mining house to a smaller manufacturing entity when it comes to banding all right let me go to northern ireland skosana good morning this thing of salary it will never become a right let us check the, the root cause of this. The thing is, the economy of South Africa, it is still in white people's hands. Meaning, white people, they are the ones which are, are hiring a majority in South Africa. So now, uh, we have illegal foreigners in South Africa, and then the white people will go for the and then for the for the illegal foreigners because of of their cheap labors. Yeah. So meaning we have yeah. a, a lot of people in South Africa, but the work is less. Mm-hmm. All right, Skosana, I'm going to ask us to leave it there with you because we are having a bit of uh, a delay on that line. Of course, you are joining us from Northern Ireland and, and I can understand why. Uh, Professor Alry, do, do you want to come in and address th- this issue that, that Skosana has raised? Um, perhaps also, I, I would also add to it and, and say, are we seeing um, still a significant difference between uh, race groups when it comes to uh, salary disparities? That's difficult to answer. It really depends on the sector, I think. Um, and I must say, I think in a lot of cases where transformation are take, being taken seriously, employers do try to really help um, candidates from previous disadvantaged backgrounds to improve their career uh, development, give them opportunities to improve their, their educational background. 
So I think a lot is being done to to assist transformation, but things don't happen overnight. And saying that a lot of organizations are still in almost survival mode and have to see what they can make do to just keep the, the wheels rolling and don't even focus on what will be the best for long term, but trying to get in maybe cheaper labor, um, whether it's fair or correct, um, you know, that's not something that we can evaluate, but people might be doing that. But I think especially in the larger corporations, a lot has been done to really try and assist transformation and to get people on a more equal base, um, both salary-wise as well as, um, you know, career level-wise in educational levels. Samantha Jane, what are you seeing? I'm seeing the same. And, and you know, just to steer, steer clear here, um, diversity and inclusion is imminent in South Africa, and it's about equal opportunity and making sure that, you know, we change the ways we used to be and we, we um, identify, um, you know, previously disadvantaged individuals as a primary employment option and then enhance their skills through training, development and mentorship. So, yeah, we, we are moving in the right direction, but it's not going to happen overnight, unfortunately. Um, it's work in progress. Uh, what do you find are, are often the challenges then, Samantha Jane? Because an important point is being made by one of our listeners on the WhatsApp line who's talking about people who are new to the job market versus those who've been in the job market and how uh, you will sometimes find that um, young white people will enter a particular field and automatically earn the equivalent or even slightly more than somebody who perhaps is black and has been in the same position for a number of years. Uh, Paul, I'll have to have a bit more clarity on that to yeah. you know um, give you a comprehensive answer. But I think for a large part, businesses are streamlining bands within their um, uh, salaries and levels. You know, if you look at the standardized, if we focus on financial services sector, because I think that's this was the main theme around, you know, financial accountant at, at a manager level earning between 11 and 16K. Um, it's important to, you know, band people equally. You can't put one individual doing the same job on ten dollars and and another candidate doing exactly the same job at 20 because when the employment uh, specialists and you know those reporters walk into your office and they see that there's a discrepancy it could be harmful to your business and you'll be penalized severely so um you know companies are aware of this and hr are streamlining processes and policies and it's important to do these bandings regularly. And if somebody is on a lesser salary than their uh, equal peer, then that needs to be discussed with board or, or line management to try and, you know, slowly but gradually put them on the right band. Um, <laughs> Professor Oosthuizen, as an employee, can I say to my line manager, look, I have found out that Patrick, who's our technical director, is earning X amount of money and I am also a technical director and I'm earning Y and I want you to explain why there's this discrepancy and why I'm not earning what Patrick is earning. Mm -hmm. 
Of course, there might be a question about confidentiality in terms of salaries. Um, why would you know what Patrick is earning? But if it's a safe enough environment where you can have the discussion and the manager can provide you, a lot of times there's logical reasons, um, which is not always correct, but it's a lot of times how system works. I'm thinking typically about the new employee coming in and sometimes earning more money than an employee that's in the same role for a while. If you think about yearly um, increases in, in salaries, it's sometimes very small, but in to recruit new people, you can put them, there's always a, 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 um, a bracket in which a salary is. So say, for instance, between 200 and 300,000 is the bracket for a certain level. So I might come in the first day on 200,000 and every year I get 2% increase. So I end up just a little bit further than someone new coming in. Um, and they offer the job maybe at 250,000 that might be slightly more than I have after a few years of working there. Um, because you want to recruit people that are skilled, and we actually seen the opposite sometimes because you also would like um, young talent that is from the previously disadvantaged groups, you sometimes offer a little bit more to a, a black candidate because you would like to recruit them and retain that talent. So, yes, but the conversation, if you see someone else earning or hear someone else earning more than you, it is a sensitive um, situation because they might even ask Patrick, why did he tell you? And he might be in trouble. So it is a very sensitive conversation. Kathy, I want to comment on salaries and the economy. Um, I think directors forget that we buy the same bread that they have to buy, buy milk. We have similar need, basic needs, and we have to have a roof over our heads, putting the same petrol in at the filling station. But where I worked, there was this thing where directors actually said that they don't have market-related salaries, so they froze the salaries of everybody except for management and increase their salaries until after three years they were according to them had a market related salary so that is what is happening in our country how how do employees step in because directors can say my company my rules uh prof That is such an unfair situation, and maybe the, there's other reasons behind it. But again, if you do not include your employees in these decisions and make them understand if there's fair reasons for it, you're going to lose, lose your valuable employees because they will find jobs somewhere else. And you might end up with no good organization to manage. And it's no good to have a, a comparable salary if you don't have employees to help your business grow. So it's not a smart move, but they, you know, it's always difficult if you don't have the full background. There might have been other things in play, um, depending on whether the employees are on, on um, the correct salary levels. Maybe they weren't correct salary levels and only the directors had to, but still not having an increase for three years is really tough, especially in nowadays economic world where everything is incre increasing literally every month.
Okay, the only issue of salary disparities, I think it varies with profession, sector, and yeah, other things. But for us, in the lower levels, I think it goes with the exploitation, which is a result of lack of enforcement from the responsible authorities. So the employers take advantage of that. But if there is proper enforcement from the responsible authorities, I think the problem will be solved. Thanks, James Johannesburg. All right. Thank you for those voice notes. Unfortunately, we aren't able to get to any more. We've run out of time for this conversation. Samantha Jane Gravitt, Africa Director at Robert Walters, and Professor Elry Oersthaisen, um, Industrial Psychologist and Director at Insight Consulting. Let me thank you both for uh, your time. I think the follow-up conversation from this should be actually looking at the reports that discuss sort of the lucrative sectors. What are the high-paying jobs in the country right now? What what are the averages that people can expect in some of these sectors? Uh, that's market and industry related. I think that's uh, the next part where we can take a conversation like this. It's 11 o'clock. Time for the latest news.